Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. You know, it's, um, it's good to be home. We were gone. Kathy and I were gone for about a week. We went up and saw Amy this Thanksgiving, and Amy is doing wonderful, and she's having a good time growing in the Lord and just, uh, just having a, uh, an, an encounter and an experience that is off the charts. Amen. And so you guys will get to see her at Christmas time, and she'll be testifying, and, and she's going to just tell you a little bit about what God's done. Now, this morning, we have just a, a special service plan for you. A very good friend of mine is here. Many of you know him. He's a, been a friend of this church for years and years and years. And so we're going to welcome him, Pastor Greg Johnson, if he would come. Amen. He's going to give us the word today. Praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be in God's house today. I'm, I come here once a year. I didn't make it last year. There, were, there was a disturbance in the forest, and I didn't make it over. But um, it's good to be here this morning. I feel the Lord's presence. And I, just, I, I love your building. It's just changed since the last time I was here. And I believe God has great things for us this morning. And so I want to read from the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you want to turn there, Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to get to this verse soon, but I'm not going to read it right now. Genesis 1 and verse 27. I came to the Lord in 1971. I was 19 years old then. And one of the first things that struck me about coming, because I came from a pagan background. My family were not church people. Weekends were not about church. They were about other things. And so when I got saved, I'm coming out of an unchurched background. And so when I came into the church, one of the things that struck me was churches have a language I didn't understand. Yeah, that's right. they, they just, there was a culture there that I was unfamiliar with. I remember the first time somebody called me brother. I said, you're not my brother. What are you, pilgrims? You know, it kind of threw me a little bit. And the language and the uh, customs and the things that were there, it felt odd. But, you know, over a period of time, I'm calling brother. I'm calling sister. I'm one of the brethren by by that time. But there's so many things that we do in church that the world around us that is not church doesn't understand. Sometimes that's a barrier. Sometimes that's a wall. And there are just simply customs and beliefs and ideas that we embrace, that we take for, you know, natural, that to other folks seem bizarre. One of those um, ideas as part of our lives this morning is the biblical concept of blessing and cursing. Those are not words that we use, you know, in our secular society. You won't, on the, won't watch the news at night and they say that we're going to report on a blessing. We're going to report on, on a cursing. Most folks don't use those words in the Western world very much. In the third world, they understand it, but not in the Western world. But yet we use the terms, those terms sometimes in life. In other words, uh, when, I've always thought it strange when somebody sneezes, someone says, bless you. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, I, I, am I culturally obligated to do that? What's that about? If you can Google it. They say that it was started back during the plagues and that when you sneeze, you were getting rid of the plague. It was coming out and said, bless you, the plague's gone. You know, and that's how they did it. 
And so we use, we use that term blessing, but we don't use it in a way, you know, that the, the scriptures intended it. We, you know, if I'm in Texas now. In Texas, if you want to insult somebody and put a bow on it, what you, what you do is you say, you know what? She can't even take care of her kids. God bless her. Isn't that right? So we, we just all, folks from the South know what I'm talking about. God bless, bless their hearts. That's just a way of saying, what a moron that person is. That's how we do it. So, but I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the power of blessing and the biblical concept of blessing. In the Old Testament, the word for blessing comes from a Hebrew word, barak. And it literally means if I am blessing someone, I am speaking the intention of God over you. And I'm speaking the intention of God to you. When God introduced himself to Abraham, he introduced himself as the God who blesses. And the initial from the get-go, God's revelation of, 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 of building the Jewish people into a tribe that would represent him in all the earth was this understanding of I will bless you, and in blessing I will bless you. Not only am I going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing. All the nations will be blessed through you. God is all about blessing. In the New Testament, there's two words for blessing. Makairos, which means the idea of happiness. Eulogio, we get our word eulogy, it means to speak well of. So to bless someone... It's to desire, it's my desire, if I'm going to bless you, to desire for you God's favor, His goodness, and His purpose to be the crowning reality of your life. In the same way, a eulogy is a desire to bless someone, to, uh, to, to uh, speak kindly of them, but a eulogy is custom-made. You don't use the same eulogy for every person. That eulogy is for the person who has passed. And so a eulogy is tailor-made for the person that's spoken about. And the same is true of blessings. Blessings are tailor-made for you to fit your life, to fit who you are and what you're doing. And so when we talk about blessing someone as believers on a practical level, it means prophetically I'm saying to you, may God's full expectation for you be fulfilled in your life. That everything God has ever wanted for you to have, I want you, I also, listen, I, I also want you to have. Think about what a powerful statement that is. How often have you looked at someone and thought, I want everything that God has for you, I want you to have it. Amen. As opposed to sometimes hearing that someone got a new car and think, well, how'd they get that? You know what I'm saying? That, 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 we're not used to blessing as it really is spoken in Scripture. And so Dallas Willard said, blessing is not just a word. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. It's not something we automatically do. It's something we must will ourselves to. He goes on to say, there are two great words in the Bible that describe the posture of our souls towards other people. One is to bless, the other is to curse. We are creatures with wills, and in every encounter with other people, we will we will what is good for them, or we fail to do so, we will what is bad. We cannot help ourselves. So when you think about blessing, it is, it is, it is who God is, it is what he does, and it is what he wants us to be. Listen, you're not just here to be blessed. 
You're here to be a blessing. Right. And that means that you leave this building every day, every, every service, and in your heart is a desire to, pro to project in the lives of everybody in your city God's highest good. God's highest and richest purposes. You know, churches ought to do seminars on how to bless and not to curse others. How to bless our city. How to bless our schools. How to bless our neighbors. How to bless people in that other political party. Especially in the emotionally charged atmosphere that we live in this morning. That's what blessing is. Now, I want to talk about a second thing, why we need blessing. So that's what blessing is. It's projecting God's highest, richest blessings on somebody else's life. Why do I need that? It's not just some quaint take it or leave it. It's some, or some cute thing. It's a necessity. And it's literally central to who I am. And I want to make a case this morning to you that human beings were created for and defined by blessing. Our most primal existence is that we were to be blessed. Now, I've read this scripture many times as you have. Genesis 1, verse 27, New King James. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a revelation for our world. <laughs> then God blessed them. I've never seen that before. He creates them. He, he, he separates them into gender. And then he says, he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Think about this. When I was created, God blessed me. From the, before I ever did anything, before I ever earned anything, before I ever chalked up any points in my favor, in my relationship with him, I was created in blessing. He spoke it over my life. And I want you to catch this because we miss this, that before they were told to do anything, they were given something. Before they were told to do something, they were given something. Our story doesn't begin in sin. Our story begins in blessing. Our story doesn't begin in the fall. Our story doesn't begin in the failure. Our story begins in God creating us and shaping us into male and female and then blessing us with his full intention that we walk in dominion, that we walk in favor, that we walk in blessing and grace all the days of our lives. It is the, the creational mandate to subdue that before he tells us what to do, he blesses us. Many people are trying to do the will of God, and they're not blessed. That's right. When you go out and try to fulfill our creational mandate without the blessing, you're missing something, and you won't bring a blessing. You'll bring religion. Amen. God's called us to receive his blessing so that we can give his blessing. The reason we need blessing is because you were created for it. It was part of your primal makeup. It must come before you ever seek to fulfill your calling. I don't work for blessing. I work from blessing. Yes, I'm walking out of blessing in to do God's will in the earth. I'm not trying to get it by knocking on doors and tormenting people on my bicycle. That's not what I'm called to do. <laughs> right? I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to get to heaven by d doing it. I, I, I walk out of blessing to be a blessing. I've already got blessing on my life. I was created for it. 
It was spoken over me before I ever did anything for God. I don't know how you would define God's blessing in your own words, but for me, it's a deep sense of being loved. It's this deep sense of being loved and wanted and known and accepted, and it marks me as being an image bearer of him in the earth. To try and do his work without his blessing goes against the grain of God's design for you. For churches to try to be a blessing that don't have blessing goes against the grain. Another reason we need blessing is because blessing isn't the only force at work this morning. We can look around our world. We can look back in history. And we know there's another force at work the Bible calls the curse. The enemy's primary role, the enemy of our soul, Satan, Lucifer, the fallen one, the primary role he has is to get me to believe that there's blessing apart from God. That's his whole, he's a one-trick pony. He doesn't have, there's not a lot. He isn't like, hey, there's something new I got going on. No, same old story, bro. Same old story is I don't need God. I can, I can get blessing on my own. I can find fulfillment on my own. I can get satisfied. I can, I, can, I, can, I can come to wholeness on my own. No, you cannot. Because only God can bless. Devil has no capacity for blessing. He only curses. That's his only, that's his only gig. And so... We have to understand, we have to come to a place where we come to grips with this, this understanding that what happened to Adam and Eve was they left the blessing and they inherited the curse. When you step away from God and doing what he asks you to do, you don't just step into ne- neutrality. If you're not blessed, you're cursed. And so a lot of times we don't, we don't understand that our need for blessing is enormous. When you lose blessing, you lose dignity. You lose authority. You lose everything God intended you to be able to live your life and raise your family with. And we see this curse of sin played out from, time, from the garden till now. The curse of rebellion is woven into the fabric of human existence, into all of creation itself. When God discovers that Adam and Eve have sinned, the first, he, it says he curses the serpent first. The blessing is gone. They've disobeyed him. Now he cannot, he cannot the blessing is removed. And he speaks curses. He, he curses the serpent first. On your belly you shall crawl all the days of your life. And you're as a beast of the field. Then he curses Eve. In pain you shall bring forth children. Then to Adam, I curse the ground for your sake. Thorns and thistles that shall grow. God's declaring the penalty of living life without him. And it's not that you become neutral or agnostic. You become cursed. Adam and Eve will still have the job. They're not fired. But now they have to do their job of trying to bring dominion without blessing. Now they've got to do it in their own wits and their own wiles and, and, and out of their own heart and, their own, and, the, and the imaginations of their own heart. And we know what that produced, don't we? 1,600 years from the garden to the flood. It's all it took for us to screw this place up so much. God repented that he ever made us. He left us on our own. He wasn't attacking anybody. He just let men do what they wanted to do. And the heart of every man was set in him to do evil. There was none that sought God, no, not one. This culture of curse 
has woven itself into our history this morning, even in America. And one of the manifestations of the curse this morning is generational transfer. Generational curses are something that I've heard a lot about over the years, and sometimes it just bothered me. It's like, you know, I hear pastors pray for somebody, was your grandfather a hillbilly sorcerer from Idaho, you know? I don't know. But I, but I do know this. I do know that in families, generational curses are real. And what they are, as it comes in many forms, that, that down through a family, there will be alcoholism, sexual abuse, violence, racism, pornography, mental illness, deviant behavior of every kind, but also things like fear, anxiety, poverty, illnesses, addictions. The Bible says very clearly that God will, under the curse, visit the sins of the fathers down to the third and fourth generation. God said that of, of, of a family. What's amazing to me is that in recent years, science has proved in a field of science called epigenetics, that they're finding that, that, that people whose families have had issues uh, of those kind of sins I just mentioned, that it literally becomes imprinted in DNA. It's not just Pentecostal mumbo-jumbo. It's a reality of your genome makeup. That these traits of the father, these things, the, these activities that were present in your family line will follow you through the years. Epigenetics. Pioneering studies in epigenetics reveal that our life, and ex, our life experiences and choices change us, including our brains down to the DNA level. And these changes can be passed on to our children further down the hereditary line. Epigenetics gives insight to how our diets, work environment, even one-time traumatic events can change the genetic legacy we pass on to our children and grandchildren. Inherited behavioral traits coming through a family. There was a study done of, during, uh, of women that were pregnant during the time of 9-11. When 9-11 happened, among the thousands of people directly exposed to the attack in New York City were 1,700 pregnant women. Some of these women developed symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Their children, the children that were in their womb when they went through 9-11, reacted with high levels of fear and stress around loud noises and unfamiliar people or new things. It seems the infants inherited the nightmare that their mothers experienced on that day. There are people sitting in this room right now this morning that are facing the awful fruit of generational sins that have touched and damaged your life and you don't even know it. You're not even aware of it. You just think, that's the way I am. That's how I handle things. That's how I don't handle things. But the reality is, something is carried on through your life and damages you still today. For many of us, when the sins of our father came knocking, we gladly opened the door. Sometimes those sins of our fathers came dressed as freedom, pleasure, satisfaction, do your own thing, but quickly became bondage, misery, and shame. 
But the great news this morning is God wants to rebuild your DNA. God wants to restore you to blessing. That his highest purpose, his highest giftings, his greatest goodness will operate in your life while you're still alive. You don't have to die to get to that. Okay, you can, you can, that can touch your life this morning. But you have to face the reality of generational curses and ask some questions about yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit some questions and he'll talk to you about it. Another area of the curse is our, our own personal sin and rebellion. Sometimes, like Adam and Eve, there's just something in us that doesn't want to obey God. We think we can do it on our own. We all have inherited that nature. My parents never set me down as a teenager and taught me to sin. I was a natural. <laughs> I didn't need instructions on how to be a thief. I didn't need how to uh, lie and cheat and steal. It, it, I was a professional, born with a gift. Amen. And so I was never taught that. That, that there was choices I made. And I never blamed my mom and dad when I got older. I, my mom was married four different times to alcoholics, almost every one of them. Dear God, get a better choice than men. But the reality was I never one time said, you know, because you hit me and you slapped me, you broke my eardrum one time. I'm not, that's the reason why I robbed houses. I'm a man. I embrace that. I did it because I wanted something inside. That's why I did it. And, and, and when you own, you own your choices, makes a difference about getting free. A lot, we want to blame. We're all victims in the American society now. We're all, somebody's made us, you, look what you made me do. But the reality is, we all have a choice this morning. Every one of you, every day of your life. In the moment, every day I get up, I have a choice. I live in Texas now. I've spent all my life in small towns. Now I live in Dallas, Fort Worth, about 8 million flipping people. Got to commute about half hour to work every day on high, the highway of hell, you know. And I'm telling you, just staying saved between my house and the church is a job. I'm playing worship music and casting spirits out of me. I got to make choices. Am I going to chase that person down? Right? Am I going to make gestures at them that are ill thought out? But I'll tell you this, as a Christian sometimes where, where you know, the, 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 the pendulum of, of how we deal with Christian behavior swings over here. It's like everything, everything you do is a sin. Over here, nothing you do is a sin. And so we're trying to, we're like a drunken peasant trying to ride a donkey. We either fall off on this side or that side. We don't know. But I'll tell you this morning, you can, you can forfeit inheritance. You can, you, can, you can give up birthrights this morning if you, if you don't deal with sin in your life. Hebrews 12 says, and this is not being written to unbelievers. It's written to us. It says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his birthrights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, he won, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. I'm not here this morning to preach on sin, but nobody sins without it affecting you. Nobody. Nobody rebels against God without it affecting you. 
And any conscious sinning leaves a little shrapnel in your soul. Any. And those wounds, if not dealt with and brought under the blood of Christ, can rob us of blessing. You know, every one of you in this room knows somebody in your life whose life is stained with the deep regret of awful decisions they made that cannot be undone. Awful choices for a, a temporary relationship or a, a position or, or, or money or pleasure. You can't undo that. There's, the curse is at work. The curse is still at work. Jesus died to deliver me from that curse, but the curse is still working. A man named Douglas Coupland wrote, Sometimes I think the people I feel the saddest for are people who once knew what profoundness was, but who lost or became numb to the sensation of wonder. People who close the doors that lead us into the secret world or who have the doors closed for them by time and neglect and decisions made in times of weakness. We can curse ourselves. Another manifestation of the curse that's not generational or personal is words that have been spoken over us. How many of you know that words, you feel words? How many of you had somebody say something to you and hours later you still feel the effect? You know, because words carry the spirit that they're spoken in. A word of anger, a word of hatred, a word of prejudice, a word of rejection. Those words carry a spirit. Words that are spoken over us sometimes when we're very young and we're very vulnerable. Uh, you'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. You're fat. Look at you. You're stupid. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? There are words that get spoken over us in life that we can't seem to forget. And what happens is when you start trying to do good in your life, those words visit you and rob you and discourage you, and, and make you withdraw back into your shell when it seems like you're going to succeed, that the words that someone said over you come in and steal your joy. Those words come from people whose opinion you value or someone you love, you treasure, a patient, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a pastor, a friend, even an enemy. John Ortberg said, I quote, I used to think cursing someone meant swearing at them or putting a hex on them. Because I don't swear much or do hexes. He goes, I thought that was pretty easy to avoid because I don't swear or do hexes. But I realized how wrong I had been. You can curse someone with an eyebrow. You can curse someone with a shrugged shoulder. I've seen a husband curse a wife by leaving the tiniest delay before saying, of course I love you. The better you know someone, the more subtly and cruelly you can curse them. We don't re realize how fragile each of us is and how fragile we are and how vulnerable we are to the curse of people's words. I read a story of a pastor from New York City who pastored a church that was full of people that were very high-level um, achievers, people involved in Wall Street, and a very unusual church. And he was sharing the story that one of the women in his church became a very successful 
entrepreneur in business and enterprise, incredibly gifted, smart, respected, had a meteoric rise in her field, and was just known to be an up-and-comer in her field. And one day it all fell apart. She lost the business. She lost her credibility. Her family was all gone. The pastor met with her in a coffee shop in Manhattan. And he said, I just couldn't help but ask her. I felt so bad. He goes, he goes, he goes what happened? It seemed like you had it all together, that everything was going great for you. What happened to you? She answered, and I quote, you know, when I was little, my dad would say to me all the time, you know what, you're ugly and no man is ever going to want you. As I grew up, those words just became a part of me. When I got to college, I realized that I was actually quite attractive. I began to realize that men did want me, and I used sex as a kind of power to try and vindicate myself and heal the wounds. Every man I was with was like my attempt to say to my dad, you're wrong, dad, men love me. I guess despite all the success and everything that I had accomplished, my dad's voice was just still the loudest in my head. What's the loudest voice in your head this morning? What's the loudest voice? What's the voice that is, that is constantly removing you or pulling you back from the full blessing that God wants us to have? You see... God created us in blessing, but the curse of sin, generational sin, personal sin, spoken curses can wound our spirit. And when you're wounded, listen to me, when you're wounded, the enemy starts weaving lies around your wound. He starts weaving all of these lies around you about why that wound is there and, and why it's, it, it can't go away. And these lies lead you to embrace idols, and the idols promise to fix you at no cost, but idols are a lie, and they end up becoming an addiction. We get addicted trying to heal our own spirits. Sometimes it's sex, money, power, pleasure, it's accomplishment, but we ultimately become slaves. And self-medicating broken spirits doesn't work. Blessing is God's highest good for you. The op- we need it because blessing is not the only force in the earth. We have the curse. Now, thirdly, who brings blessing? Where's blessing come? The good news of the gospel this morning is that God hasn't left me defenseless against the curse. He hasn't left me defenseless against the curse of sin, the curse of generations of my family, The curse of things that have been spoken and rejection and betrayals. He has not left me defenseless. And almost immediately in the garden when sin entered, God instantly began to work work redemption. He began to, to counter. And what counters the curse is blessing. God counters the curse with blessing. And this counter began to take shape very powerfully years later. When he calls Abraham and God says, I'm going to take one man and from him build a people who are going to be as, as, as numerous as the sands of the, of, the, of the sea. And in them, I'm going to show the whole rest of the world what people look like who serve God. And I'm going to begin that people with blessing. If you obey me, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build, uh, crops you didn't plant, orchards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you cities you didn't build. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you a land. You're going to possess a land. You don't have to earn it. 
I'm going to give it to you. You know, God likes to give things. He's a giver. And so that's what blessing is. That's what he, he gave to Abraham. And God began to put this people together. I will bless you. You'll be a blessing. And out of you is going to come the Messiah. It's going to be awesome. And so God put together a people. The Jewish people were put on the earth to counter the curse. That was God's first move after the garden to counter the curse that had come through Noah and all that had happened. God begins to reverse that with a people called Israel. But before they could be a blessing, they had to receive a blessing. I hope you don't miss that. Before I can be a blessing, I have to receive the blessing. And do you know that for the Jewish people, that their daily prayers included this. This was part of how they lived in their lives. Numbers 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel. I will bless them. Every single day that's spoken over your life. Every morning when you wake up, every day when you go to work, every time when you're dealing with your marriage and your crops and your fields and your job, the, the blessing of God is spoken over your life. You begin to walk in and marinate in blessing. Ultimately, this concept of blessing, this identity of blessing is manifest through the mission of Jesus. Christ came not just to forgive sins, that's part of it, Forgiving is the act, of, he forgives the act of sin, but he also can't remove the effects of sin, which is the curse. In other words, I didn't just get my sins forgiven, I got blessed. We're blessed. That means from the moment you said yes to Jesus, you're, you're supposed to be walking in and inheriting everything God ever designed for you is still on the table. The deal is still on. The plan of God is still available. The goodness of God is still available. This morning, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen. Theologians call this the great exchange. Christ becomes a curse for us so that I can be restored to relationship and blessing. Amen. His full intents for my life. The moment I got saved, God said, Greg, everything I've ever had for you before you were ever born, I want you to have it now. Amen. If you'll walk in my will, if you'll obey me, if you'll spend time with me, if you'll talk to me, it's all going to be yours. I want you to be a blessing. But, I, but, I, but first I want you to receive the blessing so you can walk in the blessing. If you want to know what the curse is, read Deuteronomy 28. Read the covenant blessings this afternoon yourself. You begin to realize that's what Paul was talking about in his scripture. Because we were under those curses, Christ became a curse for us to remove the curse and restore the blessing. When you begin to understand really what the cross has made possible for us this morning, not just so we can come to church on Sunday, not just so we can have Christian friends, but the cross made possible a life of blessing, a life where the power of blessing goes before you. The power of blessing guards you from behind. The power of blessing is within and without. And everywhere you put your hand and everywhere your feet trod, I will bless you in those things. 
when you begin to move into the world to bring the gospel to others, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, we're not going out to seek blessing. We're going out as a blessing. I love this scripture in Luke 24, verse 50, from the NIV. It says, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. I, I never saw this before. Here, Jesus is spending his last moments with the disciples. He blesses them. You think it's important? Think I need that? I think if Jesus thinks I need it, it's probably, I probably need it. And I love this part. It says, it says this, Luke 24, verse 50. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. The final vision imprinted in the minds of the disciples was Jesus blessing them. Amen. The last thing they remembered. I don't know what it was like. They're, they're with him. He's blessing them. And then all of a sudden he begins to ascend up. And he's like, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. <laughs> blessing. Listen. As you move into the world, as you and I in a world that desperately needs us this morning as a church, our job is not to go out and try to get blessed. Our job is to receive the blessing, understand the blessing, embrace the blessing, and move from the blessing. I, I, I'm not going into the world to get favor. I already have favor. Yeah. And that favor came through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints that are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning with, for me for just a minute? Blessing. Your soul this morning, like my soul, gets weary. Life is not easy sometimes. And you and I have a desperate need for blessing. And it's not just... It's not just, you know, financial prosperity. That's there. God always wants to meet your needs abundantly over and above. I was reading scripture a while back and it dawned on me that twice in the life of the disciples, Jesus catches them while they're out fishing and they've caught nothing and at his word, they let down the net. One, when he first calls the disciples, he first meets them. He climbs on Peter's boat and says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And he goes, Master, we've fished all night. We've worked all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. And he let down the net. And they brought up so many fish, they almost sunk the boat. So here's Jesus introducing himself through abundance. They're, they're first, the guy that's going to become their discipler 
reveals himself to them in abundance. This is who he is. Later, when they've gone back to fishing and they kind of quit, he catches them again, standing on the shoreline, cries out to them, children, have you any meat? They said, no, we fished all night, haven't caught a thing. He goes, let down your nets on the right side of the boat. They let down the net, and they brought the fish, and John said, it's Jesus, and jumps in the water and swims ashore. And there he has bread and fish upon the fire. And again, it's in abundance. We shortchange. We live lives far below the blessing God's called you to live. And this morning, I want you to know God wants to bless you. God wants to bring blessing into your family, into your marriage, into your parenting, into your children. He wants to bring blessing into your personal life. And he wants you to break off curses from your life, curses people have spoken over you. And he also wants you to become a blessing to others. You say, well, how do I do that? number of ways. One of those is simply by the words you speak to others. Sometimes we curse people not by our words, but because we withhold words. You can curse someone by not blessing them. People need affirmation. People need to be told that, that you love them, that they matter. Marriages thrive on this. Ministries thrive on this. Is that there has to be someone willing to speak the words. The Bible says reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so you need to be able to speak words to, that bless people. You also need to be able to notice people. Sometimes just paying attention to someone is a blessing. As, as opposed to just robotically going through life, ignoring everybody as you go. You pay attention to people and you give them some time. That's what Jesus was a master at. He knew how to pay attention to people. He always, he always paid attention when people came to him. The gospel stories are nothing more than Jesus seeing people that nobody else saw and paying attention to them. This morning, I want you to understand how important it is that we as a church in, an, in, in, in a world that's gone a little off balance and, and is angry and, and uh, polarized, that our job isn't to withdraw. Our job is to learn to be a blessing and let God show us how. Stand to your feet this morning with me, will you? All across the building. I'll tell you what I want to do today before you go. You have a clock in the back. It just saved you. <laughs> They're wonderful things. I love them. I want to speak over you the same blessing that God instructed Aaron to speak over the children of Israel. I just, find, I, find, I just find that so amazing that he wanted this to happen every day, that, that the people would have blessings spoken over them. When's the last time somebody blessed you? <laughs> How many would like to receive a blessing this morning? Would you just say, I want to be blessed. And so I want you just to hold your hands up with me all across the building. I'm just going to read it just the way it's written. But I want you to really... Open your heart and realize when you were created, listen, when you were created, God created them male and female, and he blessed them. When Jesus is leaving the disciples to do the work, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he's still blessing them as he's ascending into to the Father. The words of blessing are still flowing from his lips. Oh, to have stood there and heard those words. And felt those words. Receive those this morning. 
receive them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. You receive that this morning. Would you put your hands together and thank you for a moment. Father, thank you for your blessing this morning. Thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, listen, go home today and bless somebody. Bless somebody before you leave today. In this. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for this crowd this morning, for this church, for this pastors. Thank you for all you're doing here in Kingman. Let the blessing of God be upon this house. Let the blessing of God be upon every family, every young person, every older person, on everyone that's here, man, woman, and child. Let the blessing of God flow and watch over us and bless this day. In Jesus' name, we all said. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.